I'm your host, Dale, and this is my sidekick, Chuck. How's it going? Glad to be back. It's going. Yeah, I'm glad to be back too, Chuck. How are you feeling about our newfound popularity? Oh, I love being the target of Disney Plus every time I log in, which is a lot. I love seeing our little faces right up there next to Obi-Wan. Whoa, sorry, Fred. I clearly uh, sped up the track on accident there. And, uh, yeah, I don't know that we can stick with the nicknames of Chippendale all episode. That's might be a little tough to keep track of who's who. It's all good. Can I can I uh, reintroduce myself? Yeah, you sure can. <laughs> I am the lowlife who sleeps during the day. I am the one who leaves half a soda can on the table. I am the one who forgets to lock the door. I am Frederick Dakin. <laughs> wow. Wow, that was wonderful. Doesn't get better than that. No, man. Are you kidding me? I feel like everybody's going to be coming here expecting us to talk about Chip and Dale, and this could be just a full hour and a half on Darkwing Duck. Oh, I, I love Darkwing Duck so much. I love him, too. It's truly a, a, a very nostalgic memory for me from when I was like five years old just watching Darkwing Duck on... The Disney Channel, which I don't even know what that is anymore because now it's just Disney Plus. Well, I had the only way I knew about Darkwing Duck. I'm just going to get this out right away before we even start. This is again, I feel this comes up from time to time. I grew up in a small town. <laughs> and uh, so I, like I said, I didn't have cable, I didn't really have TV, but I have VHSs. And I would have loved to have those VHSs because I had VHSs for that. I had VHSs for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It was just really nice to have those because I, I put those on a lot. Oh, I bet. I mean, I can remember it being just on the TV. And I can't even remember at this point whether it was recorded VHSs because we definitely had tapes at home that had a lot of Disney Channel and Nickelodeon on there. But... I also just had the TV on a lot, so it was like it could have been just replays or whatever it was. So if you were coming this week expecting to hear RuPaul's Drag Race, uh, unfortunately, we ran into some external difficulties with some illness. So that will now be next week's episode. So stay tuned at the end. We'll obviously approach that again. This week's episode is on the topic of Disney Afternoon, which was a block of shows that ran during the early 90s on the Disney Channel, which consisted of shows typically involving uh, the duck characters from the Disney franchise. So we're talking like Donald's nephews, Huey, Dewey, and Louie, his uncle Scrooge. So we'll have to talk about that too. Is, I thought Scrooge was Donald's uncle, but isn't he also Huey, Dewey, and Louie's uncle? Yeah, that's a weird situation because isn't Don well, I think it's their great uncle. Oh, that could be. Then that makes sense. Yeah, you really gotta whip out the old family tree to figure out what those ducks are up to. You know, yeah. you always wonder like who Huey Louie and Dewey's mom was, but the new ducktails, they actually 
uh, answer those questions, which is kind of nice. They really dig into the lore on that new DuckTales, and it's pretty fascinating. That's very interesting. I've only watched a handful of episodes, including in research for this episode. Uh, So I'm very curious to hear about more of the lore. But uh, some of the other shows that were involved, as Fred just mentioned, DuckTales is in there. Uh, We also have Chippendale Rescue Rangers, Tailspin, the aforementioned Darkwing Duck, The Adventures of the Gummy Bears, Goof Troop, Bonkers, Aladdin, which is the TV series, not the movie, but it's based on the movie, Gargoyles, and then some very uh, derivative things that I don't really remember. Apparently there was a Mighty Ducks cartoon show. Oh, yeah. If no one's seen any clips of the Mighty Ducks TV show, if you're picturing like, oh, it's a TV show about kids playing hockey. Nah, it's like a sci-fi action, like, wannabe Total Recall show about, like, these morph... They're pretty much like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but they're ducks, and they they have hockey sticks, but they fight, like, intergalactic science crime or something like that. What and, the heck? <laughs> oh, yeah, it looks like Battlestar Galactica or something like that, or a Verhoeven movie that they're going for. That's... Totally wild. I would not have expected them to take that turn. They're like, hey, nobody wants to see cartoon kids anymore, even though we have plenty of shows in the 90s about cartoon children. So we're just going to use anthropomorphic ducks playing hockey. They really were just (laughs) buying into ducks and dogs at the time. Uh, (laughs) They were like, we like ducks. We like Donald. Let's let's see more of his family. Let's give him all TV shows. It's kind of like the Disney plus of that era where they're just like, Oh, you like jungle book? Well, how about a show about Baloo where he's a cargo pilot? That's tailspin. (laughs) Yeah. Which I mean, I'm down with, I think there is a really nice takeaway from this era of kind of looking at those side characters and being like, well, who else can we tell a story about and make them seem interesting? And now they're all getting their own reboot. Right. So it's Mm -hmm. like, it, it clearly resonated enough with people, but uh, lest we jump too far ahead into the topic here, Fred, you mentioned that you had VHS tapes of Darkwing Duck. Was that your first exposure to this Disney afternoon block or what was the show that kind of introduced you to that? Maybe from your earliest memory, even 100%. This was from my chest of movies and they were just there. I couldn't. I don't remember being like, I want this. This was probably something like uh, that my brother picked out when he was younger. It was just in the house. And I'm pretty sure it was a VHS VHS with three episodes. Uh, one was a two-parter, which is kind of the introduction to Taurus Balba. Who's kind of like the big, he's kind of like the kingpin of the Darkwing Duck franchise. Mm. Um and also introduces to his uh, young ward, uh, Goslin? Joslin? Kind of, isn't that like another word for a baby duck? Yeah, I think so. Like, uh, it might literally be a Goslin or something like that. But uh, that's what I would recommend anyone. If you're like, oh, I remember Darkwing Duck. Look up that two-parter Taurus Bulba. And I think it's technically one of like the first episodes. But Disney Plus kind of has jumbled a lot of the shows. Like, X-Men is out of order. Uh, I think the Star Wars shows are a little out of order. Or I mean, I think that's just how they come, though. But some of these shows are not in the proper order. And I 
think the show, the episodes of Darkwing Duck that I'm talking about are actually like the first episodes, unless they kind of flashed back and did it. It's kind of like a year one Batman of mm. Darkwing Duck. It's setting up him meeting Launchpad McQuack, my favorite character, my most relatable character <laughs> of the whole Disney lineup. <laughs> I just love his his vibe in general. But yeah, it was just something that was around. I wasn't even aware that it was called the Disney Afternoon until we started doing research. But when I opened it, it was like opening the arc because it was like if I would have had this when I was a kid, I would have gotten nothing done because it's just so geared towards my generation. You know? Yeah. Well, it really is like I feel like we keep running into these properties now where if they arrived so early in our lives that it's really hard to pinpoint when that first exposure was. Cause he just sort of grew up. Like I know what this is already. And like, like th- how we both just kind of knew who Darth Vader was to Lou. We didn't remember the, the twist or at least I didn't. Right. No, I, you just kind of grew up knowing like, Oh yeah, Darth Vader's Luke's dad. Like no big deal. Like that's just common knowledge now. But yeah, I think there's just a point where I think even if I dig back to my earliest memories, I just remember having a coloring book with like Huey, Dewey and Louie and trying to guess which one was the right one to color, green, red or blue. <laughs> and yeah, I, I couldn't even tell you. I think DuckTales probably was the earliest memory because this started really right around the time I was born and... I think DuckTales was like 1990, so I would have been about three years old at that time. And I imagine it just kind of came into my purview naturally as like Sesame Street or whatever came to me. So mm-hmm. it's uh, in a very similar vein to you, Fred. I think it just sort of is like in your DNA from the point you understand what TV is. And clearly you and I spent a lot of time in front of the TV from that point on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I, I like it was so weird. My parents were very anti me watching TV, but the time I spent just like putting in and taking out VHSs was like definitely not healthy. That is such a lost like thing that I miss the most is being able to like go into a literal closet, pick out something that you want to watch and actually putting it into the VCR. And then you also have to make sure it's fully rewound. You're like, you're not halfway through because somebody watched it halfway and just took it out. And it's, it's just crazy how now it's like, Nope. Uh, if you want to start over, they give you that option the minute you click on the streaming app. So <laughs> I think my last, one of my last VHS memories was like my eighth grade birthday party. I mm-hmm. had a bunch of friends over and we were in like our family room and this was at a time where we heard about like how Disney animators and sound people were sneaking in like dirty stuff into movies. Do you know about? Oh that? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the big one, which if you watch and listen to, I don't think it's what they're saying, but you still listen to it and you're like, oh my gosh, is in Aladdin, which they've since edited out. I don't think it's on Disney Plus, so that also tells you something. There's a part <laughs> where. Aladdin goes up onto the whatever to see Jasmine and uh, the tiger Raja is coming up on Aladdin. He's like, easy tiger, easy tiger. And then you hear him say, good teenagers, take off your clothes. Oh, wow. 
and if you crank up the volume, that's what you hear. And it's, it does sound like that, but I doubt that's what it is. I just remember having the VHS and like cranking up, and that was the entertainment for the party. Was like, all right, everyone, <laughs> shut up. This this is when Aladdin says it. Listen. <laughs> or the other big one is when in Lion King, when Simba like kind of just falls onto the cliff after he has the vision of Mufasa. The dust that goes in the air that goes back to Rafiki at one point says sex. Oh, yeah. Okay, this is starting to sound familiar. I looked this up, too. So I do remember briefly the Aladdin thing. The Lion King thing definitely sounds familiar. The big one I remember is that the castle on the front of the Little Mermaid, <laughs> like box art, is just a full-on erect penis in the, the castle. Yeah, a golden dildo, for sure. Yeah, it's, it is. Like, and... It's pretty unmistakable when you look at it. Like, <laughs> I'm I'm a little mad because every time I look up the cover art now, you can't really see it. Tom just pulled a fresh VHS of the Little Mermaid off of his <laughs> desk table, and he's looking at it right now. Yeah, I'm keeping it. Oh my gosh! The last thing before we go back, even though this is slightly off topic, still Disney animation, but I'm gonna put a pin in with this last one. The last big one was in The Rescuers. There's a flyby scene of all these um, buildings. And in one of the buildings, there is like a naked or uh, scantily clothed lady. That one's like the most legit of them, yeah, too, right? Yeah, that's the one where like, yeah, that's a, a lady with no, not a lot of clothes on. I don't think she's completely naked, but. Yeah, it's, it's definitely they threw something in there. Uh, yeah. That's Disney has so many different things. I'm sure we're even missing some people would be like, don't you remember that part in Mulan where you see like, I don't know, her with her shirt off. <laughs> I'm totally making that up, but I just imagine that. I don't know. But back to the Disney afternoon <laughs> and DuckTales, I will say my memory for DuckTales was actually the movie, mm. a VHS copy. I know my babysitter had, there was a DuckTales movie with a genie. Oh. And that's like the big movie. That one sounds familiar. Was that kind of the plot of the video game too? I remember there being a DuckTales like NES game. I've never played the game, although I did see PlayStation has, they call it the Disney Afternoon and they have like the Rescue Rangers game, a couple others. I didn't see Darkwing Duck though. Hmm. Maybe there wasn't a a notable NES game or Super Nintendo game for that one. Mm -hmm. But just to get a little bit into the, the history of the Disney Saturday afternoon, I keep having to correct myself because I keep wanting to say Disney's one Saturday morning, which also was a pretty legit block of animated shows. I had like recess and when Doug moved over there from Nickelodeon. And I think that you could get on public channels because I saw recess and Doug. Yeah, I think that was on ABC, but yep. Disney Saturday afternoon was on the Disney Channel, and that, as we mentioned, started originally with Tucktales uh, as kind of its like intro program, and had the Adventures of Gummy Bears. But the block, obviously, as we mentioned, came about in 1990 when the shows actually started, and they were joined by Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Tailspin, and soon after Gummy Bears dropped off, they brought in Darkwing Duck, and that was like the heyday 
of this block of content during the 1991-92 seasons. It's glorious 90s television, and if you watch like the interstitials that I sent you between the episodes, it is just like, it's just 90s getting injected into your vein, and it feels right. Oh yeah, absolutely. In fact, we should play a clip of the Disney One Saturday Afternoon song real quick. Just the, the intro from the commercial. That is just nostalgia in a jar, Fred. For sure. And it's definitely like, I saw glimpses of this stuff at friends' houses or even like, I remember staying at a Disney resort, like DuckTales, Rescue Rangers, that shit's just on in the background at every hotel, wherever you go. Like, Oh, yeah. It's true. I do remember, wow, vaguely kind of watching that in Disney World and that stuff just being on all the time. Mm-hmm. But I love like the handful of times I've gotten to go. I love just flipping through the channels because they'll have a channel of just uh, cartoon shorts. Can I ask you a random question about that? Sure. When when you were in Disney last time, did they still have ads for Appliance Direct? I didn't. I don't remember actually. Because to be honest, when I was there last time, I didn't watch too much TV because. I remember I was watching a lot of Modern Family at night mm-hmm. on my tablet because it's that ABC family. And I don't know, it just felt right. Like Modern Family is kind of like a Disney show with really good humor. Yeah, it is actually, which is fitting that it was on ABC. Cause... So wouldn't, couldn't you imagine a day at the parks and coming home, laying in your hotel bed on your tablet, watching the Dumfies just yuck it up? <laughs> Yes, actually, I kind of kind of envisioned that, especially after a day of just walking around with nothing but like kids around. You're like, all right, I need something that's still Disney, but doesn't take me completely out of it. Exactly. I also remember watching the uh, it was during Game of Thrones airing. So I watched an episode while I was in the hotel. And it was oh, wow. kind of a weird experience. It was <laughs> the one where uh, Cersei gets shamed. Oh, my <laughs> God. I was like, I shouldn't be in Disney World watching this lady get shamed naked. Yeah, by, uh, oh, what Hannah Waddingham. Uh, oh, my gosh. Ted Lasso's biscuit-eating boss. Yeah, which is just, it's crazy that that's the same person. Because you try to put two images side by side, and I still can't be convinced that's her. Mm-hmm. So, Appliance Direct, though, lest I let this drop was this like infomercial that would get stuck in between some of the shows and the movies in like the stations. One of the last times I was in Disney world and this thing was just like, uh, if you took ShamWow or something like that and you had weird Al direct it, it just was (laughs) a very bizarre thing where they would get like people giving testimonials and be like i found all my appliances at appliance direct and then there's just this like voice that would come in in between be like appliance direct (laughs) (laughs) that just sounds like some like florida tv that's just seeping into disney world somehow 
They can't keep the Gators or the infomercials out. Yeah, that's what helped pay the, their cable bill. They just had <laughs> this freaking infomercial running to make sure they could afford the power in the park some days. <laughs> well, when I go on my honeymoon, you you best believe I am going to be watching diligently for that. Good. I'm expecting some reports on what happened at the end of Modern Family and if you saw Appliance Direct. Yeah, I'll definitely, like, I feel... This trip, I'll have to take advantage in any sort of uh, kind of outside, like, news-style coverage that I can get for the podcast. Mm. I'll do, you know, like, if I see a uh, Darkwing Duck character still walking around, which they used to have in the 90s, probably don't have so much anymore, I could maybe ask them for a hard-hitting interview or something. I would be very, very interested in hearing what... Mr. Drake Mallard has to say, I'm sorry, Darkwing Duck, don't want to give away his secret identity. Oof. Oh, that's a tough, tough change there. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, there's not a whole lot more to the history, believe it or not. They just kind of ran these shows until 1995. They got an alliance with Kellogg's. And from that point, they kind of had to do some like ad sponsored material and they called this Disney Kellogg Alliance, which sounds very 1990s because all I can remember from the nineties now is commercials for like animated stuff and commercials for cereal and toy mm-hmm. commercials. The good times. The good times. Yeah. When we had to watch five minute ad breaks in between all of our shows. And now it's a pay optional. <laughs> well, also, like back then, ads for toys and cereal, it's like finally ads for stuff I care about. Like I get ads for insurance. I get ads for mortgage stuff now. And I'm like, let me know when there's a new cereal on the scene. <laughs> this is the content Fred cares about. He wants the yeah. the commercial ads. I I feel you, man. There's something about that targeted advertising. When they ask you if you want it, it's like, yeah, but don't give me insurance. Give me like new types of waffles I can <laughs> toast up in the <laughs> micro microwave. What am I talking about? Then the I don't toaster. Know, but I was still with you because I like waffles. <laughs> There's something about an ego waffle that just never changes. Mm, I love an ego waffle for sure. Yeah, dude. I was gonna say though, if this is sounding good to anyone these this disney afternoon if these shows are like titillating you and making you think of a different time something that you can do you can go watch them all on disney plus and that's pretty cool but on youtube they also have blocks of shows already kind of pre-decided with the interstitials so you can feel like you are back home with your bowl of cereal watching cartoons you're gonna have goofy cooking some eggs and they burn and then the fire extinguisher goes off and the room fills with smoke then it says we'll be right back or something like (laughs) i i watched a bunch of those interstitials in a row and it just made me so happy there's something about how they were had they had to make commercials and commercial breaks seem kind of like this is part of the show Rather than just like, I don't know if you ever experienced this when you had Paramount Plus, like it would uh, be running the show. It would seem like there's a logical ad break in the show, 
and then it would come back and then all of a sudden it would just run into an ad and i'm like what what, what happened here <laughs> like you missed the break in the action there was literally a oh, fade that's out the worst yeah it mm-hmm. it's so jarring too because you're like oh okay well i guess we're at commercial but it's like when you watch a movie on Tubi for free or something. Yeah. It's like you're getting it for free, but you're going to get some jarring commercials. Yeah. Nick Cage is about to be attacked by something. And then it's just as soon as it comes, you're like, hey, have you tried mm-hmm. the latest from Kellogg's? <laughs> for sure. <laughs> More serial commercials in there. So, Fred, I think we could start getting into the highlights because really the uh, to wrap up, I mean, the block party, which is what the disney saturday afternoon developed into ended in september of 1997 so it was a very short-lived seven-year run but a glorious one and i want to hear a little bit about you know what are some of your favorite things and favorite memories from some of these shows and i'll let you guide us on where we get started see where you're most excited to to jump in well for me i like that these shows are taking the Disney iconography and characters and recycling them into different things. I kind of mentioned that. Like, um, I look at Tailspin, which when I was younger was more the show that I was kind of obsessed with. I loved Darkwing Duck. That was probably my favorite. But Tailspin got me excited because Baloo is my guy. Like, if any character, like, he is my favorite movie character. And he's the guy that I like <laughs> when I'm like 50, that's who I want to be is blue. Yeah. And when he's like, okay, now we're going to be a cargo pilot bear who runs the shitty business that he can barely keep together with like Hawaiian shirts. I'm just like, this is exactly what I want out of a show. And it's got great adventure. It's kind of got like an Indiana Jones vibe, but then I will say you go back and watch some of these shows and then you're you get to an episode where it's like, oh, in this episode, the younger character has to babysit his sister. And then, like the whole episode is <laughs> just like dealing with a little kid. You're like, well, this is a cartoon for kids, so you should just be aware that that's going to happen. <laughs> and then, yeah, I'll just go back. I think Tailspin, Darkwing Duck are the two that I got the most out of. I always wanted to do a Darkwing Duck costume. But I can never figure it out. Like the beak, the outfit, the feet. It's a lot going on. Yeah. It sounds like a cool idea, but when you start thinking of the logistics, there's a lot going on. It is. There's an oversized hat. And I think that's the biggest thing because where are you going to find a hat that big that's not just like the type of hats that women wear to like the Kentucky Derby, right? Like (laughs) they just don't sell them like that. And plus you have to get all the things that would make you look feathered. And it's a lot of work, Fred, but maybe a good payoff. Howard the duck with the (laughs) shitty costume. So one thing I did want to ask you about though, and I was very curious about this and I probably should have known better. The voice of Baloo in Tailspin obviously was not the same actor from the jungle book right no uh god his name's phil harris yeah Steve, and he of course has done a few disney things i'm trying to think who else because he, he was little john in robin hood i know that much well he's also just blue in that too i thought there was another one for some reason but maybe yeah. that's what i was thinking of 
Yeah, I think he was in the Aristocats as well. But he was a guy, he was like an entertainer. Like, he was a guy that'd be on, like, Carson with Louis Prima, the guy who plays King Louis. Mm. And, like, they were, like, late-night guys who'd come on, sing songs, and, like, they're from that era of entertainment. And that's why I think Jungle Book is kind of a fun hang movie because it's, like... yeah. It's like a Dean Martin roast mixed with like a Jungle Book. <laughs> it is a little bit. And it's funny you say that because I was just about to say it sounds like the relationship that Louis Palma and Phil Harris had was sort of Dean Martin and uh, Jerry Lewis. Mm-hmm. That would be a great Disney Plus show is like those two together. I mean, it'd be hard without like the actual Louis Prima, though. That's another guy. I love his like music. I think he's got a great style. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny when you look up Louis Prima and you're just expecting to hear him sing a lot of songs, kind of like, uh, I want to be like you. And you find out he's like the originator of I'm just a gigolo. Yeah. <laughs> or there's a song it's used in Elf. Most people will know it from Elf. The, and every time it rains, it rains. Pennies from heaven. Ooh, we do. <laughs> like, that's, that's like a Louis Prima jam, right? There. Yeah. Well, when you hear that too, you like you can you can hear it in his voice is just very simple. Like when I drive Lyft and Uber, the Louis Prima station is on quite a lot. Yeah, I could one hundred percent see that in you. You you do seem like a Jungle Book guy, which is great because I also enjoy the Jungle Book, and I feel like it's an unpopular opinion. Hmm. There's like there's. There's vultures that are the Beatles at one point, and they sing like Motown or something. Not Motown. They sing uh, like a doo-wop song. And yeah. It's, great. it's such a wild movie. It's been so long since I've seen that, too. But am I just not remembering Tailspin? So he was just a cargo pilot, and they just kind of had like misadventures in delivering this cargo? Yeah, and it was... um I think Shere Khan would come in as like a villain... And it was cargo pirates. It was kind oh. of like air pirates was the the villainy of Tailspin. Okay, I guess that makes sense. I just, and I'm pretty sure other Jungle wow. Book characters uh, cycle in. I would. I'm not 100 percent sure, but like, how are you not going to bring Bagheera in for an episode? Yeah, right. Got to get the band back together if you're going to go all the way there. I mean, I just assume Mowgli is off doing whatever Mowgli's doing at that point, but yeah. Hanging out in the man village. He, he's, he's dead to party animals. I'm going to say that's right. He wasn't ready for the jungle. He was raised by, by wolves, but he was never really one of them. Oh, I, I love jungle. Book. Just like, Baloo, you have to understand. He has to go back to the man village. <laughs> Why is he gotta do that, Boogie? <laughs> oh fuck! You've got the good blue. I can't do a blue, and that was pretty great. Well, what uh, if he doesn't want to? <laughs> That's my. Do you want to pick up hair? <laughs> I I did appreciate Bill Murray's attempt in the live action version, but it just <laughs> wasn't quite the Phil Harris voice, and that was really my point: is that that voice is just so. It's so. It's just like the. The hipster you think of from the 50s, 60s, like that type of like person. I don't know. Definitely. That... And I was fine with a Bill Murray, but I was I, I was too. I was very, as you can tell, I was very precious with the character. And when he was so much an asshole, 
In the beginning, I was like, no, get out of here. <laughs> and then I was perfect. Everyone complained about Christopher Walken. And I was like, no, that's actually pretty good. I don't know why you guys are upset. He in that movie, I'm sorry we're tangenty, but we knew we would be. Hmm. My favorite thing about that Jungle Book remake is they redo the monologue from True Romance that Christopher Walken does, but he does it about different types of apes instead of Sicilians. Oh, wow. I've never actually seen True Romance. And no one catches that, but he's like, you sound like you're from this part. You know, there's different, you know, like, and I'm like, wow, they're redoing that monologue. I wouldn't touch that monologue in a Disney movie. That feels like such a Favreau or Favreau thing to do. Mm -hmm. Like, it just feels like he had such an appreciation. Yeah, yeah, I I watched True Romance when I was, you know, up and coming. And yeah, it was a great movie. It was good. It impacted my entire career. Would you like a Cubano? (laughs) We got to save that for the chef podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I got to say the chef soundtrack is a great Spotify playlist. I can imagine, man. That movie is, is a gem. It's just a underrated gem. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I've been cooking all my life and ladies like Scarlett Johansson and what I almost said Vera Farmiga, but the lady from modern family ladies like that didn't throw themselves at me just because i could cook yeah. i feel that's all i took away from chef <laughs> hey you gotta make them the best food though that's you're just you're just still in your your sous chef phase you gotta get to the the master chef so let's talk a little bit about ducktales because i think we can say a little bit about it and maybe talk about even the new reboot series while we're doing this too what are some of your memories and like favorite parts. I know you mentioned Launchpad McQuack. I don't know if this is a place that you want to talk about him or if you want to save it for Darkwing. Um, I would say I would just say for the original DuckTales, yeah, it was all about that movie, which I couldn't tell you, but I'm pretty sure the more I think about it was one of those situations where they like strung together three episodes, took out the commercials and called it a movie. <laughs> but I do remember that being like a special thing because it wasn't at our house. It was at my babysitter's house. Oh, wow. I don't know if you had that when you were younger where you had like places you would go and they had different movies and you knew they were there. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I had that, especially with like my aunt and uncle. Like they had like, like the biggest example I know, like I didn't own Peter Pan, but they owned Peter Pan. Sure. So when I went there, I had that choice. They also had Aristocats. I didn't have Aristocats. But they had Aristocats, so I could uh-huh. watch it there. So you like know where the Disney library is being completed, whether it's at your house or there? Exactly. <laughs> I'll take it one step further, because as I was getting into being my teenage years, I wasn't allowed to watch certain movies still, even though I was like 11 or 12. But at my cousin's house, my aunt and uncle would often go out, leave us on our own. That's when we found American Pie and American Pie 2 (laughs) (laughs) and trying to dissect what that movie was about well before you really understood the dynamics of the human body perfectly. Oh, yeah. Not to be um, gross, but I definitely remember watching American Pie before knowing what cum was. Oh, me too, man. I'll (laughs) admit that. I think it, I watched it before knowing what that was, orgasms, any of that was just way over my head. 
Yeah. It's so crazy to think about. I mean, I think American Pie came out in like 99. Oh, well, yeah, I guess I was 12. I probably had just started really understanding that. But even then, it was sort of like, ah, oh, there's sex in a movie. And I don't know. What a tangent. How did we get from <laughs> DuckTales to American Pie? Because it was a VHS that my babysitter yeah. had. And that was my full exposure. Yeah. That's true. Everything comes back to VHS. The 90s were defined by that VHS. Did you ever know anyone with one of those uh, rewinding machines? I feel like I've seen them, but I don't remember who had them. My friend Arthur, shout out in Maryland. I know he's a listener. His family had a rewinding machine, and I will tell you, it was not that much faster than rewinding it in the actual player. Yeah, how was that different? It really was probably maybe half the time. But if you think about half the time of rewinding a VHS, you got to take it out of the VHS, put it in this other machine and Mm -hmm. let it rewind and take, you know, like I just remember being unimpressed because I remember seeing it being like, oh, it must be instantaneous. You know, as a little kid, you just think you stick it in. It's like, and it's done. (laughs) No, it took like 30 seconds versus a minute. Yeah, it's because tape was such a flimsy way to record things and play things and we were like but this is all we know Mm -hmm. man i'll go a step further though even just on the vhs thing my uncle had laser disc wow yeah like we're talking voyage of the mimi stuff right there man i remember teachers rolling that into the classroom and everyone's like nobody has laser disc at home like this isn't a real technology why do the schools use this but then Went to a different uncle's house. He had Laserdisc. He had the whole uh, Star Wars uh, original trilogy on there. Oh, wow. Yeah, and that was that was uh, something to write home about at the time. And now I don't know where that is. That's probably in some junk shop somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard for a hot second that the Disney VHSs were worth money if you found the originals. Ooh. So I found an original Dumbo and Beauty and the Beast, I think. Like, legit original. They're not worth anything. No. No. VHSs will never have that sort of value, I don't think. No, I don't think so either. They're just too... They're, they're not... There's something different about a VHS and, like, a, a record, right? Right. So when you're talking about original VHSs, though, is that, like, the ones that were in sort of, like, that silicone case instead of just, like, the sleeve? Like the clamshell, yeah. Yeah. And there's like a little insignia that you can see on it. Ah, mm-hmm. okay. Well, we had a few of those at home. I have to go back and dig. But again, yeah, what is it going to be worth? Nothing. Like <laughs> Right. Like the one I have, though, was kind of cool when I opened it. It still had the like send in for other VHS's mail in it. Like oh, the really? original like paper that you would get in some of those. Yeah. And whether it's worth money or not, that was a fun nostalgic moment for me, just seeing, you know. I mean, that's really what it's about at this point, right? It's just kind of seeing those things again and remembering when you actually had to use them to watch them on TV, right? (laughs) Such a wild time. What was interesting, though, I think, getting back to DuckTales a little bit and even kind of spinning off of these VHSs with these Disney movies is there really weren't any movies with any characters from DuckTales or even in um, 
you know, in Darkwing Duck, like these are all original characters that may have come into like some of the later like 80s Disney movies, but they were just invented as like Donald's family. Mm-hmm. It's kind of weird. Like, I guess they did bring out uh, Mickey's family and um, Goofy's, but they really, really brought out Donald's <laughs> family, <laughs> like yeah, nephews and uncles and... It's interesting to think that Scrooge McDuck is literally just Scrooge. Right. From A Christmas Carol. Wasn't that the reason he was even, like, invented? Like, the character? Was was that Christmas Carol, Disney Christmas Carol, which I love to watch at the holidays, is that, was that the first time we saw Scrooge McDuck? Well, the character was created in 1947. So, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't think... It was exactly built to be, yeah, Ebenezer Scrooge. But I think it probably borrowed that name and just sort of talked about him being a tightwad with his money. Right. <laughs> and then they were just like, when they made a Christmas carol, they're like, it's right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Obviously, we have to cast Scrooge as Scrooge. Mm-hmm. And it works. But it's definitely funny to think about now that this is almost like you built like a donald cinematic universe without donald in it like is he ever in any of the shows yes oh what he is sprinkled within and they really go wild with him in the new series oh wow well see that tells you how much i've seen with the new series so, which one do you enjoy the most, the original or the new one? Now it's because, like all these shows, I have nostalgia for them, and then I'll go put them on and watch an episode or two, and I'm like, okay, well, that's enough of that. That was great, but I don't need more. With the new Ducktales, it's actually a really good, engaging show that's funny with great with a great cast. I mean, you got Danny Pudi from Community. You got Bobby Mo- Bobby Moynihan from SNL, <laughs> and then uh, you got Sonic. Yeah, Ben Schwartz. Ben Schwartz. I don't know. I couldn't think of his name. And then you know David Tennant, a Scrooge McDuck, which I don't love. And Donald will come in, and he sounds like Donald, but he gets a voice modulation, and he's voiced by Don Cheadle. Nah. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> That's a funny gag. I could get down with that. For sure. And uh, Huey, Dewey, and Louie's mom shows up and is a character, and Padgett Brewster plays her. Oh. So, like, it's really just, like, the comedians who grew up on this stuff have their hands on it, and they're they're treating it like they're Kevin Feige with the lore between all these shows. Wow. That's pretty impressive, though, because you think about... The originals, and it was just sort of a lot of like Disney's, like they'd be typically billed as additional voices in a lot of the movies or even in some of the other shows, right? Like we think we talked a little bit about Jim Cummings, who we're going to be talking a lot more about (laughs) as we get into Darkwing Duck, but Mm -hmm. you know, people who were just kind of like they're on the roster and uh, here, you guys want to make a TV show? Go for it. And then you had Huey, Dewey, and Louie who all sound the same in the originals, right. and but now they're very distinct, like, 
not known. I would say all those guys are pretty well known for the most part. At this point, more so. I would definitely say that's the hardest part about going back and watching the old shows is like you have Chip and Dale who are doing their chipmunk voice. Yeah. That gets grating after a while. And Huey, Dewey, and Louie all have that. Like, what? You know, they all have that (laughs) voice going. So, like, that gets annoying. So... I hate, you know, I love, I love my classics, but I do kind of like having different, you know, modern voices in this situation. Yeah. Other than David Tennant. Yeah. I will say just watching a snippet of a couple of the episodes from the new DuckTales, I see what he's doing with Scrooge, but I don't enjoy it as much as the classic Scrooge because if you're going to do a Scottish accent, nobody wants to hear you do a true Scottish accent. It needs to be over the top like the old Scrooge. <laughs> exactly. Like he probably was like, well, I studied a certain area of Scotland for a while before I took the role. <laughs> well, my thing with David Tennant, which I, I want to just say now, I'm not saving it for a future episode. If we do Doctor Who. I'm putting it out there now. Last week I made a pizza. Mm-hmm. And. There's nothing I love more on my pizza than some red pepper flakes. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I love them red pepper flakes. And I grab, I have a big container of red pepper flakes, like huge. Okay. And I flipped up on the top and I went to shake some on and the whole thing dumped out oh. because I had the wrong slot open on the red pepper flakes. I had the big open one <laughs> and not the sprinkles. <laughs> I feel David Tennant has that same problem with acting. Oh. I think he's really great, but sometimes he accidentally leaves that flip open and he dumps the whole thing on there. Oh, <laughs> man. So, I mean, I'll say this from knowing David Tennant from very few things. I've never seen Doctor Who, but I have seen Harry Potter 4, which I thought he, <laughs> he did a nice job in his very limited time I like him screen. in that, but he did accidentally leave the top open at times. He did a little bit with his little, like, like his, like, tongue flick. And then uh, as the purple man in Jessica Jones, I feel like that he had the, the multi-slotted side, the right side open. He was just really shaking those flakes on that. Which is what side. I hear. And I know he can shake those flakes just nice. And that's what he does most of the time. <laughs> I like David Tennant, but there are times where I'm like, Jesus, dude, check the top before you start pouring. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a it's such a funny metaphor to think about. And yet I kind of get exactly what you're saying, too, especially when you watch this show and you're like, OK, dude, like just ease it back a little bit. We need we need some. You're doing an animated show. You're not doing a a Shakespearean play like <laughs> like certain certain prestige voices Darth Vader Mufasa Scrooge McDuck you just <laughs> don't mess with you get some Scooby-Doo mm-hmm. you get someone to do the voice that sounds like the old one or you get the fuck out <laughs> 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 Sorry, I don't know why I'm so about it but <laughs> hey man a lot of people have love for their animated shows and you're just you're just passionate you're no different than a Zack Snyder fan. So <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll never throw that insult at you again. I don't know where you're at on the Snyder spectrum, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm closer to zero than I am to a hundred. <laughs> I definitely, uh, 
I definitely agreed with the how to get how did this get made. I'm fine with him coming out with a four hour movie I can watch at parts and at home every yep. once in a while. Yep. If he does a big old masterpiece epic, I don't want to see that shit in theaters, but I'll gladly watch it at home. And I don't think it looks super cool. Yeah. That HBO Max Snyder cut was like the perfect way to consume that. Just little, mm-hmm. little pieces. But yet now he's going to make a hundred movies that, you know, 20 people are going to love and everyone else can be like, eh, okay. <laughs> Army of the Dead, I thought was a pretty fun movie. Maybe I'll give it a look at one point, but it's Batista. not top of the list. Yeah, but is that the best Batista we're going to get? I feel like he peaked with Drax already and now we're, he's just trying to recapture that a little bit. Although Stuber, mm. he was kind of funny in that one too. Well, I'll give him. I still I'll give him think that. his best, even though it was small, his best is his little scene in uh, Blade Runner twenty four eight nine with his oh, little glasses. I lied. Okay, yep, that's pretty good too. But it's still <laughs> not Drax. It's not Drax. No, Drax, Drax is, is like that. Drax is the thing. That's like the perfect blend of what Batista can do, and and nobody has even touched the surface with with what they can do with him. With that. right, you play that square. I'm still playing the Square Enix Enix, whatever you pronounce it, the yeah. game for guardians and the Drax stuff just does not work the same with the whoever's doing it. Yeah, I could see that. Batista brings a different type of gravitas to that role for sure. That sounds like a lot to say for somebody who's just doing a superhero character, but got to bring that, you got to bring that heat, you know, and you got to just have the right amount of shake on those pepper flakes, Mm -hmm. not not dump it out. Right. Uh, some people could have taken some notes. Man, I wish Mads would have actually opened the cap a little bit wider. Oof. C'est la vie. Yep. Well, I guess the last I'll say about DuckTales, the new one, mm-hmm. is um, there was an episode, the Tailspin crossover is very cool because it's the young kid, Kit Cloud Kicker, mm-hmm. and he's kind of become like a proto-Baloo, and he's voiced by Adam Pally. Which I think is a great way to update the Baloo style of guy. Oh, for sure. Because I feel Adam Pally is like the millennial party guy versus like the 60s, 70s party guy. Yes, I would definitely give him that. And anyone who's not familiar with Adam Pally, I feel like he's kind of a he's a face, you know, and you see him. Uh if you watched happy endings, um, he's one of the characters in there. I forget what his character name was though now, but anyway, he, he's been in a lot of different things and he's just kind of one of those guys. I feel like, like he's not, he's not like a, a Moynihan where you're like, Oh yeah, that's Bobby Moynihan. I know that guy. Mm-hmm. He's sort of like, he kind of reminds me of just like another, like where, um, Odenkirk and like David Cross were before they became Bob Odenkirk and David Cross, right? Like they were just always kind of that extra guy in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I think I, I see where there's some good threads with the new DuckTales over the old one. Cause I tried watching a couple of the old episodes and I really felt like I didn't have a lot of nostalgia outside of the, um gizmo duck stuff who i love gizmo duck because he's like robocop but a duck (laughs) Mm -hmm. and i just wasn't feeling the the same kind of like resonance i don't know if the ducktales was ever top of like my list in terms of favorites 
even though it's got a banger of a theme song. Oh yeah. <laughs> but it just, I, I felt like, yeah, they always go on like these random adventures and I, I'm always like, why, why does Scrooge bankroll like half this stuff just to like <laughs> stash his money or like find more money? Like this is like the adventures of Elon Musk. If he was a grumpy duck, like, <laughs> It is a bit like that. And if he had three cool nephews, but mm-hmm. I don't know that he has three cool nephews. He just has two kids with unpronounceable names or is going to have two kids with unpronounceable <laughs> names. I can't remember if they had their second child or not now. Uh, one's on the way if it's not already born. Well, I think the best way if we're finishing up DuckTales to segue to our favorite guy would be to talk about the DuckTales episodes with our favorite guy. Yeah. Because you have to say, if anyone's on the fence about watching DuckTales and you're a Darkwing Duck fan, the Darkwing Duck episodes of the new DuckTales show are amazing, I think. Fred, let's get dangerous. (laughs) Those two episodes, I'm very glad you recommended. Actually, all three. But the two-parter was probably the best of Darkwing Duck that I can even recall and elevated what the original series was for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This just shows that the people who are making DuckTales are fans and really want to give service to those characters. They, the best way to describe those episodes, it's almost like no way home before no way home. Yeah. Without having multiple Darkwing ducks. Like, like it has multiple things going on and it brings back characters. But it's like, I'm surprised that they did this before. They do it before Marvel's doing it. Right. But it's funny, too, because then I mentioned to you, I know we were talking before we did this episode, that I went back and watched an old episode of Darkwing Duck. And they did an episode where it kind of reveals who Negaduck is like the, the yellow version of him. Mm-hmm. And it literally is an alternate universe. Darkwing duck. If he was like evil instead of good. And it was basically, yeah, kind of like a first shot at the spider verse before they even got to that point. And this is 1992. So exactly. And it's what's wild to me. Like I used to love the show and, I was not a comic person. I didn't read comics, so I didn't really get the jokes. I didn't get that the show is like kind of a spoof or a parody in sense of like Tim Burton, Batman, Batman animated series. Like I knew it was doing a Batman thing. My brain could make that connection as a kid. Yep. But they're doing like deep cut comic stuff in the old 90s show. And it just shows that the writers probably just had free reign to like get nerdy as much as they wanted to. Well, it's interesting that you even say that because fresh off of our Batman episode from, you know, a few weeks back, I felt like what Darkwing Duck does very well is it kind of balances the look and feel of Burton's Batman with the campiness and the appreciation for the 60s Batman, the shoemaker wanted to get Mm -hmm. and you look at darkwing duck which obviously is a totally different entity altogether but it really does toe that line very well in blending it into this just kind of funny disney animated thing and it all works it's just fun Mm -hmm. yeah it's a good character good dynamic between 
Launchpad McQuack and Darkwing Duck. I love it. I love his ward. I think she's a lot of fun. Really good characters and good villains for yeah. the most part. Oh, I, mean, I I was geeking a little bit too because I started looking up the voice cast for Darkwing Duck, the original series. And I think actually most of that cast came back to do these new episodes in DuckTales. But you had Megavolt is uh, voiced by Dan Castanoletta. who Hell yeah. Yeah, I if anybody's not familiar, that's Homer Simpson. <laughs> and it's also uh uh Genie and Return of Jafar. I just feel we're in the zone. We gotta give him the Disney yeah, credit. Yeah. Which I, I think they were like, Yeah, Dan can do this. And it's like Hey, it fooled me when I was a kid. I was like, Yep, that's definitely Rob Williams, no question there. He does a decent Robin Williams impression. To the point where it's like, if it was originally Dan Castellana, I think I would have loved that genie still, but it doesn't have the manic energy and the the off the top of your head type jokes that Robin Williams brought to the role. Like that was like, it's like comparing a a like ribeye steak to like filet mignon, right? Like <laughs> you know that there's a difference, but they're both going to be very good depending on which one you get first. Mm-hmm. And I also, um, with the one, when I think about that, uh, with when they came out with Disney Plus, I went back and watched those Aladdin sequels. Mm-hmm. And something that went right over my head that I didn't realize the animation is far more shitty in the sequels. Oh, yeah. And it's so weird that I didn't clock that as a kid. I'm just like, yep, this is the same. This is the sequel. Right. I'm sure it's given the same amount of love. So I'm trying to remember, it was. Return of Jafar, was that a straight-to-video release, or did that get a theatrical? It was straight-to-video, and it actually has commercial breaks, so I think it was supposed to be part of the Aladdin TV show, but they, like, they like took it out of that and made a straight-to-VHS sort of deal. Oh, wow. I did not know that. That's very interesting, then. I guess I always assumed that it was going to be a theatrical release, but then they were like, nah, I don't know this is going to do as well. And then they just switched it to video on demand, which I think did happen to a couple movies, right? Yeah, they definitely have flip-flopped on whether something like, like I think like this is not Disney, but Mask of the Phantasm wasn't originally going to be a theater release. And then it was. Mask of the Phantasm. Um, that's the Batman movie. Yes, yes, yes. Batman. Really good movie. Yeah, I'm like, why does that sound familiar? I was totally in Disney mode, of course. <laughs> yeah, that was my bad. Um, I will say uh, Rob Williams did come back for The Prince of Thieves, which was also straight to video. Yeah, which I don't remember any of, even though I remember owning it and being excited that Robin Williams was coming back. But I remember the ad on a VHS because it was like, they're finally getting married. They're finally getting married. They're finally getting married. <laughs> In the wedding of Agrabah. Wow. Pulling a song from Prince of Thieves. That's uh was it called Prince of Thieves? That's the third one. I was pulling from Wait. No, no, I was pulling from yeah, you're right. I was pulling from Prince of Thieves. Yeah, that's Robin Hood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Return of Jafar has like the only song I remember from that is um 
returning cast, R.I.P. Gilbert Gottfried, has a song. I had it. I'm at it. I hate to be dramatic. He had a song <laughs> like that. And yeah. then uh, We Can't Forget About Love, which was the nice love ballad. I remember too much from Return of Jafar. Seriously, man. You were pulling stuff that I can't even come up with off the bottom of my deepest memories. <laughs> this is crazy. I had a VHS of Return of Jafar. That was probably the other reason why I thought it was like, oh, this is just the next one. Yeah. I think that's that's exactly how we all interpreted it, because we were. We were way too young at the time to know the difference. So it's Aladdin, King of Thieves. Prince of Thieves oh. is Robin Hood. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's Kevin Costner not attempting himself a, a British accent. He's just here. He's Robin Hood. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Robin and Prince of Thieves, a movie I'd love to cover on this podcast. I don't know how. We could do a Robin Hood <laughs> franchise at some point. We can cover a few different Robin Hoods since none of them ever got sequels, even though they all wanted them. <laughs> I saw, I, hey, I, saw, I watched the Taron Edgerton one where they walked around like they were in SEAL Team 6 with bow and arrows. Oh my God, come on. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> That's Why can't they just do a, a simple Robin Hood like, you could have done a Prince of Thieves. It's so funny that Mel Gibson, Mel Gibson, Jesus Christ, Mel Brooks did a parody of Robin Hood and did it better than anybody has since, like, the the old days of... Um, uh, Errol Flynn? Yes, thank you. I wanted to say Tilda Swinton for a second. I don't <laughs> know why. Tilda Swinton could be Robin Hood. Why not? Great Robin Hood. Yeah. She could make it happen. But I will say on the Taron Edgerton, I thought good casting. They had uh, Jamie Foxx's Little John. Oh. I think I like that. That's an interesting take. I could get down with it. And then Ben Mendelsohn is the bad guy because it was 2018. And he was the bad guy in every movie that had a budget over $100 million. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny that we made our way back to Robin Hood because it, it, it it was something that I feel like was kind of in the zeitgeist a little bit with the Baloo actor being in that movie too. And basically just doing Baloo again. Although I'm not sure if Robin mm -hmm. Hood came out before or after Jungle Book. I'll have to spot check No, that. Robin Hood came out after and they recycle a lot of animation. Like that's a thing. Yeah. There's scenes that are just literally they cut and paste it. Just lifted it from something else. That makes sense. Oh yeah. Baloo like has like you can see Baloo dancing exactly the same way. In both movies. <laughs> that, that's something to really check out is check out like the Jungle Book Robin Hood animation comparisons. And it's a little upsetting. Oh, man. I feel like I've known that stuff for a while. Like you can see it even when you're a kid. You're like, this looks familiar. But you're a kid. Again, you can't tell the animation quality. You can't tell the style. You're just like, this is Disney that I'm watching. If I... The Aladdin TV show, when we were talking about Aladdin, was also part of this Disney Saturday afternoon for a little bit. I don't have many memories of the show other than just there was always kind of like a weird thing of the week. Like, oh, this week Aladdin made a wish that, you know, turned everybody like into like zombies or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> it. It feels like a very unmemorable show for something that they probably could have done a lot more with. Right. At the time, especially like now it's a little iffy because that's definitely a weird, stereotypical 
approach to the Middle East, but at the time they could have ran wild with that show. Right. With a lot of different stuff. Yeah. And I mean, I think they tried to correct a lot of those wrongs with the new Aladdin movie, but it's almost like they didn't quite go far enough. They mm-hmm. were, they were like, Hey, we're making an attempt. And it's like, yeah, you did. But I don't know. I got some issues. I, don't know. With that I thought one. it was weird though. When genie, like when the part, when Aladdin made the wish and the genie slapped Aladdin and said, keep that wish out of your fucking mouth. That was really weird to me. <laughs> Did we cancel the genie? Is that what we just did? <laughs> Will Smith is fine. He'll be fine. You think so? Oh, 100%. I want to see the next movie he's in and what the reaction's going to be. That's what I'm waiting for right now. I just want Gemini Man 2, where he's like the grandfather, the middle <laughs> one, and the son. And at the end, there's a baby Will Smith. Would Jaden play the baby? No, it'd be <laughs> Will Smith and CG. I just want to see Jaden try to get really into that point. He's he's a very eccentric character himself in real life. <laughs> so back to Darkwing Duck, which we fell way down the the alley on here. The rabbit hole. Yeah. So spoiler alert, if you've not seen the new Chippendale movie. And you should. And you absolutely should. The post-credits scene has created a little bit of fervor in the world of Disney fans, especially those who are old watchers of these Disney Afternoon, because they hinted at Darkwing Duck being the next big reboot movie, is what it kind of looks like. You see, when Darkwing Duck came on the screen, I was yelling and crying so loud I didn't hear what he said. <laughs> so, um... That's great to hear, though. I'm excited. So, I, I, I'm, I'm saving. I'm kind of edging to rewatch the Rescue Rangers again. Uh, I might make <laughs> my. I'm going on my bachelor weekend this weekend. It might be the late night throw on that I force all my, you know, groomsmen to watch. Oh man! Because I know they won't watch it without me. Yeah, <laughs> that would be funny. I'm like, this is good for you. It's good for you. <laughs> I feel like though, when they do start watching it, they're going to enjoy it. I definitely enjoyed the movie, and I'd like to get into that um, once we kind of put a pin here on Darkwing Duck, because I believe the latest I did here is that Seth Rogen and um, Evan... Um, Evan Goldberg. Yeah, Evan Goldberg are involved in the production team for a Darkwing Duck reboot, or that's been a long kind of rumor for a few years. Well, well, they have a great track record with uh, superheroes, so I'm really glad about that. Yeah, if anybody's not watching The Boys, that's a uh, little alarm. And uh, Oh, fuck. I was trying to be an asshole about it. That is, The Boys is a good show. I was talking about The Green Hornet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what about Invincible? Didn't you watch any of that? I did not watch them. I, I don't know. I, I, I can only handle so much of the superheroes, and that was one too far for me. See, if you try to even winnow in anything else, like The Boys is doing a lot of fun stuff. Invincible is doing a lot of fun stuff because they're very adult and they're very alternate, kind of like we're, we're riffing on this genre that everybody's so obsessed with right now. Mm-hmm. So 
it's curious though that these are such adult shows that they've taken on and i think they did have a hand in the chippendale movie even though that was mostly the lonely island guys it seemed like behind the camera there Mm -hmm. but to see what they could do with a darkwing duck reboot as long as it's not just like i don't know I, i feel like it could be a real slippery slope if they try to do too much Batman tone parody because then you might accidentally make it just a smidge too dark than it should be. <laughs> I yeah, know. I mean, I'll see. I'll watch some dark, dark Wayne. I mean, I'll watch it whether it's the right thing to do or not. But um, I don't know. I actually, if it's a movie, I'm kind of skeptical, but I think um, a Disney Plus series would be lovely. Yes, that could get down with that a lot. I think that's more the Darkwing Duck. You give more of a serialized approach, and I think you're gonna have a better chance. Well, for sure. Than, than trying to build it up into one mount. If you do a movie, you have to make the movie represent everything leading up to that point. If you do a TV show, you can just kind of do a TV show. Yeah, I can see that argument because you look at how they just did the Batman, and they're like, "We're gonna put a lot of these elements that people like in, but it's also gonna be a three-hour movie." So mm-hmm. here we here we stand. Okay, we want to do something Batman. But then you look at Lego Batman, and that did a pretty decent job of kind of doing, I think, what Darkwing Duck would want to do without having to touch any of the Batman properties. It's just what's great about Darkwing Duck. So Yeah, that's a great comparison. Lego Batman and a Darkwing Duck movie feel like they would be the same thing. Right. Or it's just kind of two sides of a coin where Okay, we're going to lean into the Disney aspect of what Batman would be, which is a really weird thing to think about. I'm a little nervous about uh, Deadpool for that reason. I just don't mm-hmm. know how far Disney's going to let them go. But I think they'll go as far they'll let them go as far as they want to prove that they're willing to do it and make money. Yeah. I don't I've I don't think Deadpool's going to be that heavily edited. Yeah, probably not. Away. But you still got to wonder, yeah. If they do bring back Darkwing Duck, I hope they don't go in the same vein, even though it sounds like that's the situation because it's the same kind of people taking over creatively. I don't want it to be like Rescue Rangers. Rescue Rangers, the best way I heard it described was like, is like a Shane Black who framed Roger Rabbit. And I love it. I like it a lot. Yes. I don't want Darkwing Duck to be this extra smart, you know, it can have its, you know, because that's what the show originally was. It can make fun of the genre, but I don't want it to just feel like another one of those. Right. Right. And I think that's something that they'll have to try and figure out. But you got to think if it's been in development for a couple of years, they must have some kind of idea. Because as we see in Chippendale, and I think we can kind of segue over to that series, they really found almost as much a commentary about the evolution of animation in that movie as much as it was. Here's a reboot of this kind of, I don't know, that forgotten series, but certainly I don't think a lot of people were talking and asking for a Chippendale <laughs> reboot. No, no one's big Chippendale fans. Yeah, but now probably changes because they were pretty delightful in the movie, although voiced completely different. Right. So. What were your thoughts on the movie overall? 
Well, like I, I think I texted everyone that was in my text chain. I felt like it was a movie specifically made for me, and that's the best kind of movie. <laughs> I, I can't think of any other, like, it wasn't like my favorite movie of the year or anything yet, but it just definitely felt like, oh, they they are scratching an itch that I've had and for a long time, and also, like, they also just did the Space Jam Legacy thing way better. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, they're throwing in, like, at one point, Stan Marsh is in, like, a scene just in the background. And I'm like, yeah, that's super cool. And when uh, Space Jam Legacy did it, I was like, what the hell is this? Like, Space Jam Legacy would have uh, Dane DeVito's Penguin, but he was played by, like, an extra dressed like him. Right. In the background. Like, I don't know. I just think this threaded a needle and did something very special, and it hit a lot of nostalgic buttons for me. Yeah. Well, there's a difference between having, you know, a movie that is really celebrating the different styles of animation over the years, and, you know, it's kind of recognizing Chippendale was a very specific kind of, you know, like 2D animation. And then, you know, you see like the the Polar Express animation of Seth Rogen as that <laughs> dwarf is too funny. The dead eyes mm. comment is just kills me. But or having uh again, we're in the spoiler territory, but having ugly Sonic and then having him voiced by Tim Robinson was like so perfect. Yeah. If anyone has seen any of uh, I think you should leave. No person has ever embodied Ugly Sonic so much <laughs> as that guy. You kind of get that impression just in the the limited things. You've even seen him outside of that, but it, it does feel like that's very his his speed. That's a Sonic joke. Get it? His speed. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think there is something different to be said, though about having Stan Marsh in a background where it's like, Hey, here's a style of animation that became popular. You know, it was kind of impacted a lot of what Disney even did after that. And like the technologies that came into place, like South park really invented almost a whole new tool of like, we can turn out episodes in a week based on the programming we're using. And a lot of other animation studios copied that. Whereas it just felt like space jam was just cramming in properties. And like, they're putting Pennywise and like the Droogs from A Clockwork Orange in the crowd. Like, why are these fuckers interested in basketball? Like, get out of here. And again, not even the real ones. Extras dressed like those characters. Right. Yeah. Like uh, you're on that where I don't know. I've never been to Los Angeles, but the place where all the people are dressed like the fake people. Yeah. Oh, uh, right on like the Chinese theater. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it looks like. It does. Or like Times Square. Yeah. It's it's just all very forced, very fake. I just don't think LeBron could carry a movie the same way that you have Andy Samberg and John Mulaney just kind of bouncing off of each other a little bit, right? It's like you have two very funny comedians and then you have LeBron who somebody even pointed it out too. It was like, what happened between Trainwreck, where he was like a really funny, like good in a like a spurt couple scenes throughout that movie to Space Jam, where it's like they couldn't get any of that charisma or that like machismo out of him. He's just very flat, very dry. 
you don't have Judd Apatow and like those guys like telling him how to be funny. Like he is, he can be funny, but I think he needs people who know how to use him. Right. And I feel no one was telling him how to be funny on Space Jam Legacy. Yeah. No. And <laughs> certainly nobody was going to stop and make that happen. Be like, no, no, no. You're just the straight man to all this other zany crap going on. Mm-hmm. Ugh. But yeah, the new Rescue Rangers, super funny, good cast, and it's got it's good story. Like I like, I don't know what's the word for it. It's kind of like the movies that are like the ripoff movies, but they're just enough to be called like parody, and it's just like the junky versions oh, of yeah, the characters. Yeah, yeah. Like the- how they would make someone look like a copy and then put them in like Russian like want to be movies yeah like bootlegger movies yeah. bootlegging yeah that's why i can yeah. think of that but yeah i love that plot line like it's a good story it's <laughs> funny it was also very uh very good casting i think throughout because i was actually very convinced they had me convinced that uh the police officer they were working with was going to turn out to be a turncoat and not just have it be the police captain it, it was it was very funny commentary that they're like I guess, again, spoilers here. I mean, if you're listening to this part of the podcast, you are taking a risk in the fact that we are going to be talking about the old Rescue Rangers and this new one. So, but the fact that they had this whole like, oh, it can't be the captain. That's too obvious. And then I was like, no, that's exactly who it made sense to be all along. That's the way the the story was progressing. I liked uh, Eric Bana as the like, Australian guy because he's like an Australian guy. <laughs> oh yeah. That was so funny because that didn't sound a thing like Eric Bana either. I could tell it was him and I I I clocked it right away because Ashley was watching funny people. Mm-hmm. And he's got like those few scenes in funny people that are actually pretty funny. Yeah. And he's putting on the accent real thick in funny people. So I was like, oh that's Eric Bana right there. Yeah. That's uh oh man. He just is somebody who kind of, he just kind of sneaks in there before he even realizes he's in it. And then you're like, oh my God, like there he is. Of course, that's him. Yeah, good Eric Bana movie. Hulk. Oh man. I actually don't think I've seen the Ang Lee one. You have to watch the Ang Lee Hulk. At the time I was like, this is weird. I don't like this. But you go back and you're like, this is a really good movie about like <laughs> relationships because it's an Ang Lee movie. You know, it's like actually got really good emotional beats in it. And oh man, you got to watch it. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll maybe take a look eventually, but I'm just fearing the animation now is going to age very poorly. It's but... cartoony though. <sighs> maybe it'll work. I don't know. Nick Nolte. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. All right. I'll 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 think about it. For now, Eric Bana is just Hector in Troy, and that's the also most obscure role I can pull him from. <laughs> I watched a lot of Troy in high school. Take it. It's yours. <laughs> that's the worst Brad Pitt I'll ever do. So Eric Bana had a very unrecognizable voice cameo in this, whereas yeah, Dennis Haysbert is Zipper, which was <laughs> very funny. <laughs> He's like, that's all, stay stand. You were good. <laughs> Will Arnett is Sweet Pete, which <laughs> I just love that they were like, yeah, we just got to get Will Arnett to be the villain. 
Deeperg's dead voice. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't believe they let them do that with Peter Pan. I know, right? But it, it's pretty great. It it kind of it made sense. It felt like there had just been, I don't know, not enough Peter Pan. They really like distanced themselves because of the the very racist overtones throughout the Peter Pan movie. <laughs> Everything with the Native Americans is just a very, very tough hang to the point where I'm like, yeah, I'll read my kids the book, but maybe we'll just skip the movie. Oh, I'm sure the book handles the Native American stuff a lot better. Well, you could probably, you could edit, <laughs> self-edit yourself a little bit more, but yeah, different time. That's for sure. <laughs> But the voice I really wanted to get to was the fact that they had J.K. Simmons as the captain, who, if anybody is not actually aware of this, has done some voice acting for a long time as the uh, yellow M&M on all the M&M commercials. Oh, yeah. And so he was, I thought, a very natural fit to jump in and do an animated voice because I was like, well, yeah, he's got this thing down. And he was very funny. <laughs> I love because he plays a a claymation character. Yeah. And he I love it when he picks up the fingerprint and he just scrapes off the clay with the fingerprint. Yes. And I'm like, that's just good animation right there. Yeah. They were so inventive with all the different animation styles and the claymation stuff with like CGI and like the Roger Rabbit animation. Mm-hmm. Man. This had to have taken a long time to do in post-production because I can't imagine what it was like to film. I don't even know when they started filming this. It it dropped all of a sudden, it felt like. I felt like they were working on it very, like, maybe not under, you know, secrecy or, like, behind the scenes or anything, but it definitely wasn't well talked about that this was happening, and then it just sort of came up. Like, really? And then it's like, oh, shit, this is real good. so it's it all works for me though i was a i was a fan mm, and definitely just shows we're not the only people who uh have nostalgia for the disney afternoon certainly not certainly not so i feel like in this episode we've really done a lot of highlights talk and they're almost kind of doing our job with coulda woulda shoulda because everything we probably could have come up with was what if they rebooted this? What if they rebooted that? And that's all happening. So it's not like mm-hmm. we have a lot to offer. But lest we overlook um, any coulda, woulda, shouldas that are still out there, is there anything that you would have rather they done with one of the properties or anything that you would still like to see them do with anything that's out there? I would like them to do what they did with Tailspin again with a classic Disney character. I'm not going to write it. I'm not in there making the big bucks. But (laughs) just do what you did with Baloof. Pick a character who's got, you know, a distinct vibe and, like, is fun that people like and put them in a totally different situation. I think that's what they should be doing with some of these Disney Plus shows. I'm excited for a lot of them. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm excited to see what a lot of them are, but a lot of them aren't that. They are continuations of them in their normal worlds. I would like to see something different like that, like Tailspin. Yeah, I would like to see something like that. I do like some of the animation styles they used in Chippendale. 
but I feel like that'd be very hard to replicate outside of a limited series with any of these shows. So maybe that is the right move for Darkwing Duck. But mm-hmm. yeah, it'd be fun to see them do something with Tailspin and try to somehow modernize it. Although it just feels like maybe just do kind of what you are doing with DuckTales, exactly like you said. Like just give it that treatment and see if we can make it relevant and fun again. Because certainly the Baloo character is a lot of fun. I, I always love Baloo, but yeah. That's about the extent that we can really go to with this because everything else is probably going to take care the of itself. Afternoon's wrapping up. Yeah. Mom's calling to do the chores. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. So I just wanted to wrap this episode up for it by obviously doing our power rankings. And lest we rob all of our listeners here today who have probably been humming some of these tunes in their head. I would like to ask you what your top three theme songs are from all of these shows. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I think the top three and the third one we didn't even talk about, but that's because I don't even think I've even seen the show before, but I know the song slaps. So I'm going to give you my number three, and that's going to be the Gummy Bears theme. Okay, that's catchy, Fred. I'll give you that. It's definitely catchy. I don't, you know, I'm not big on the gummy bears or whatever there. But I thought that was a pretty tasty jam. There's a ska band called Suburban Legends that does a great cover of that. And they also do a great cover of the DuckTales theme, which would be my number two. Life is like a DuckTales. Woo. That's a good pick, Fred. (laughs) That is a jam right there. And I'm doing a little research right now. I'm not 100% sure, but I think the guy who sings on that song sings on some of the songs from a Goofy movie. Ooh. I think it might be the same guy who sings those songs. Darren Chris, something like that. Hmm. I, yeah, I didn't find the singer because when I type in Goof Troop theme song singer, I get live wire or power line. (laughs) Well, it doesn't matter. Either way, that's my number two, which I know is controversial. That's probably most people's number one. But Mm -hmm. my number one is the Darkwing Duck theme. I love it. 
that's a song that I definitely find myself humming out of nowhere on a random day in the year. Yeah, I just got a um, JBL speaker for my wedding because we're doing our own music. Mm -hmm. And I tested it out with a little of the Darkwing Duck theme. Somewhere, some villain schemes. Best line of the song, I think, for me. <laughs> it's just the way it comes off. Somewhere, some villain schemes. But the number's up. Three, two, one. Darkwing Duck. And also the way it starts with like that ignition sound. Yes. Can we get that one more time? That. My feeling is that I will probably agree with you definitely on that being the number one because I, I just love Darkwing Duck. And yeah, there's something about the lyrics there that hit a little harder. And I just love the way that Jim Cummings says, let's get dangerous. Mm -hmm. Who Jim Cummings, a very underrated voice actor all around. We didn't get a lot of time to talk about him after we promised it. But I know I even said we got to talk Jim Cummings, but we'll just say this dude is all over his 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 fingerprints are all over these shows. Yeah. If you know Pete from Goof Troop or from Kingdom Hearts or anything else with Pete the Cat in there, uh, you also might know him as the original very kind and gentle bear Winnie the Pooh. That's Jim Cummings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. His Winnie the Pooh performance in the Christopher Robin movie. Yeah. It's pretty great. Super underrated. Oh, yeah. He's outstanding in that. Well, that whole movie's underrated, too. I think so. You're talking about the one with Ewan McGregor, right? Yes. Yeah, because there were like two around the same time, but that one's the superior one. It's it pretty dang good. But now Ben Wishaw has, uh, he's thrown down the gauntlet with that Paddington bear, man. See, I'd love like a Freddy versus Jason of Paddington versus Winnie the Pooh. What are they just doing? Exchanging honey sandwiches and marmalade sandwiches? Like, come on. No, here. they're going to fight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hate to throw down, but you've given me no other choice. <laughs> Wait, Winnie the Pooh likes honey. Paddington likes jam. How can we use that? <laughs> that's, that's my favorite line from Freddy versus Jason. Someone says, Freddie died by fire. Jason died by water. How can we use that? <laughs> it would be so ridiculous. Small shout out to Freddie, though, right now. Um, Robert England just showed up in the new Stranger Things season. I was pretty stoked about well, I'm that. I'm rewatching. Uh, we're on season two because we watched the um, previously on for the new season. We were yeah. like, we don't know what's going on at all. Yeah, you... You've got to gotta go back. I feel like if you haven't watched it recently, it's hard to remember what just happened. But season four, a lot of Nightmare on Elm Street vibes. I'll say that. And nice. I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I dig the I really dig the the style of the season, but it's creepy. I would really like uh, this is my last off topic note and I won't derail the podcast. We can end. Give us our Nightmare on Elm Street legacy sequel. Just yes. Not with Jackie Earl Haley as Freddy? No, no, no. Nothing wrong with my boy Jackie Earl. He's a great actor, but Robert England, I haven't seen this new Stranger Things, but I'm going to make the assumption, still got it. Yep. You'll feel the England when you're in there. Mm -hmm. Get me a cup of tea, because this England. <laughs> so, yeah, it's pretty great. So Jim Cummings, though, Darkwing Duck, I think he's doing a lot of work in that theme song. 
that's definitely my number one. I'll go the other way around this time because I have two other picks. And uh, my number two, I was thinking about DuckTales here, but instead I'm going to go with Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Yeah, I love the DuckTales theme, but that Chip and Dale theme, especially after the movie, it hits different. You big with the Post Malone version or something? No, just the original. <laughs> the Post Malone version was just a little too weird. I don't want to talk about that or else people won't watch Rescue Rangers. We might have to cut that out. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but I will say the thing that that theme has going for it is it's one of those where I think it's all right. But that chorus, though, with that Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Yeah, it's really got the vibe of like Savage Garden. I want you. It's like like a cherry cola. Cherry cola. Man. So DuckTales would definitely be my three. So I have to throw up an honorable mention because this is a show we intentionally did not discuss because I think we are going to eventually do a whole goofy universe episode but we gotta do a little goof troop theme song and uh stay tuned for that episode coming up at some point in the near future i think yeah we're gonna have to spread it a little bit i feel it's gonna be a little while but yeah keep listening if that's what you're hoping for it's yeah getting some goofy movie and goof troop We'll drop the email at the end. If you want to be on it, let us know. We're looking for people. Yes, please. <laughs> email us at state of the franchise podcast at gmail.com. And here's that goof troop theme song. Mm. Yeah, that sounded nice. It's a good one. I've never seen Goof Troop. Whoa. You've seen a Goofy movie? You haven't seen Goof Troop? No, I've never seen the prequel series. Fred, this is basically what you're asking for. I've seen Breaking Bad. I haven't seen The Better Call Saul. (laughs) (laughs) This is what you're asking for is like your branch off of like the Darkwing Duck stuff. Like, if you want the serial version of a Goofy movie, that's Goof True. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I, I think whenever we do the episode, I'm going to watch a lot of Goof Troop because, I, like, the movies are special for me in many ways. But, yeah, I'm very excited to crack into that. And also, I played the Super Nintendo game Goof Troop. Oh, yeah. that That's a great game. Yep. We, I had an emulator set up at my college place and everyone wanted to play Goof Troop. Oh, that man. came over. They were like, oh, you have Goof Troop? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I do. I think I put that on my SNES Mini. Next time you're over, we'll throw that on. We might have to try that out, that two-player mode. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. You, you, your pick, though, if you want Goofier Max. <laughs> Ooh, I'll have to sleep on that one. <laughs> um, so I think 
that brings us to the end of the episode here, Fred. Here we're like, oh, we're going to do a tight hour. (laughs) 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 Well, we obviously had a lot to say about this. So stay tuned for next time where we will actually be talking RuPaul's Drag Race. And should be a good episode here to wrap up Pride Month, Fred. Definitely. I'm very excited for that one. I watched two episodes. My, I'm going to give a little forecast of how I feel about it. Yeah. Why does everyone have to be so mean? <laughs> I like it, but that's my one. That's my one throughout right now. Yeah. Let's be a little nicer people. <laughs> <laughs> I love a sick burn as much as anyone else. The burns <laughs> are very sick in that. And I'll have a lot more to say on our next episode. So stay tuned for that. Um, Fred, anything you would like to plug, though? I'm going to plug something. Okay. June 24th. (gasps) I, by myself, no one else you might know, (laughs) I'm going to be in a show called The Convention Show. No, The Convention Center, where I will be doing, it's an improv PowerPoint show. Um... That that's it. Nothing else. <laughs> that's uh Friday, June twenty-fourth at uh likely eight o'clock PM, but we will confirm those times whenever I finally edit this podcast. Do you have anything to plug, Tom? I would also like to plug Fred that I will be in a show my first time back on stage in almost two years on Friday, June twenty-fourth in a show. <gasps> Am I, are my notes right here? Convention Center? <laughs> yes, that's right. If you like this podcast a lot, you got to come to this show because you're going to get the two hosts in their natural habitat. That's right. We're both back. Treading the boards. On that improv stage, Fred and I will be performing on Friday, June 24th in the Convention Center show. At the Interchange Theater. Uh, so look up the interchangetheater.com for tickets. Uh, and yes, it'll probably be a night show. Uh, expect around 7.30, 8 o'clock. Excited to get back on stage with you, Fred. It's been great chatting with you today. And uh, well, we'll have a good time next time, too, when we talk RuPaul's Drag Race. And uh, one last reminder to all of our listeners out there as we thank you for joining us again this week. If you are interested in donating, please visit buymeacoffee.com slash SOTF. And you can buy Fred and I a drink. All we're doing is looking for funds that we can put back into this wonderful show as we are closely uh, reaching our 750 listener mark. It's a big milestone coming up and uh, we're very excited. So... If you're interested. Yeah, tell your friends. I mean, there's been enough episodes. There's something for all your friends. Yes. Like, give, throw us a freaking bone. <laughs> tell people about the show. That's really the most we're looking for is getting some people to come and just check us out and enjoy some content. And we'll bring you more of that content next time on State of the Franchise. See ya. Peace. Let's get dangerous.